Welcome to the podcast of Seven Rivers Villages Church in Wildwood, Florida. We are a multi-generational community of grace on mission, and you are always invited to join us online or in person. Learn more about us at sevenriversvillages.org. Um, this church has actually meant a lot to Alexis and I over since it started. We've We've come here, been refreshed, we've seen the gospel in you, and through you guys as well. So thank you for uh, having me this morning. I'm a Stephen Sid. I'm the Young Adults Director at Seven Rivers, and I get to uh, work with 20s and 30s, and it's been a huge blessing to see God working through that these last couple of years. So thank you for having me, and I know you just had you sitting down, but would you stand for God's holy word? <laughs> We're going to be in Mark 4 today, going through verses 1 through 20. And he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into the boat and sat in it on the sea. The whole crowd was beside the sea on the land, and he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, listen, behold, the sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched. And since it had no root, it was withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it and yielded no grain. Other seed fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold, sixtyfold, and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears, let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve, asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see, but not perceive. They may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure it for a while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fell away. And others are the ones sown among thorns, They are those who hear the word. But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit. Thirtyfold, sixtyfold, and a hundredfold. This is God's holy word and he gives it to us because he loves us. You may be seated. About two years ago, Let me pray, sorry. Let me pray before I start. Father, you are good. You are in control. Would you give us ears to hear? Would you show us Jesus? Would you speak to our hearts? And would you reveal yourself to us? In Jesus' name, amen. So like I was saying, about two years ago, I get a call from our landlord. And she's saying, or actually I get a text, and she's like, call me when you can. And I'm like, oh, I get this gut feeling. Something bad's about to happen. So I call her. She tells me that something major is going on in her life. And she needs to sell the house. 
And I'm like, okay, we'll make this work. You know how much time we have. We can easily get out in a couple months. She's like, no, 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 you got till the end of this month, 20 days. And I'm freaking out. We have no idea where we're going to go. Citrus County is a really hard place to find a place to rent, and still is today. Um, and we quickly go on all the websites. We go on Zillow, we go on realestate.com, and we even go on Facebook. So eventually we found somewhere to check out. And it was in the neighborhood we wanted. And we had the opportunity to even tour without an agent. Um, they gave us the code, and we were able to go inside and look through the house. Uh, so my wife, Alexis, went out there. She checked it out. She took all these pictures. She walked around. She went inside. She did everything. And it seemed like an awesome place in a great neighborhood. Close to work, close to church. Um, and they, they asked for a deposit so we, can, so we jumped on it. We're like, we've got to get this place. So we put our first month's rent in. We're like, God provided. Wow. That was so quick. Maybe even too quick. <laughs> we slowly realized that same night that this seemed fishy. So we asked some follow-up questions. We asked for proofs. And we eventually realized we were scammed. The person communicating was actually the middleman. And they got the information from the bank. And they would send it to us like they were the landlord. And they had all these files and different. It was super elaborate. Uh, and we're out over $1,000, which is pretty much all we had. Um, and we not only didn't get the place we live, we had to still have to figure out where to go. We didn't know. Like, we're 10 days at this point. I was angry. I was scared. I was trying to be strong, but I was so angry at God. I was like, you're not being faithful to us. At our weakest point, he actually began to work. Unbeknownst to us, a couple of people from the church heard about it. And they started asking people to chip in what we, what we lost. They reached out to staff friends, and they all pitched in. We ended up having to move our stuff into a storage unit, but another family at the church let us stay in their playroom for a month while we looked. And then another, uh, some snowbirds that even let us stay in their condo until we eventually bought a house. And not only that, they helped us work on it. We were blown away. We had, and now, we actually host young adults there. We had 28 people coming into our house every week. And we get to gather, we get to worship. Uh, we had a youth resident live with us for a year. And all that to say is God is faithful. He's faithful often through his church. He's faithful in providing a, a place far greater for us. This is what the passage is all about. God being faithful to his people. Because God is faithful and reveals himself by his word, we're able to repent, to receive it, and to embrace Jesus Christ. Or to say it another way, God is faithful to people even when they don't trust him. And he calls them back to himself in receiving, repenting, and through Jesus. I want you to see this morning that God is faithful to you. So with that said, God's faithfulness draws sinners into kingdom reception. So look back with me at the text, Mark, uh, in Mark 4. We're going to jump around a little bit. Verse 1 says, And he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him. So they got into the boat and sat in on the sea, and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things. And in his teaching, he said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And then verse 9, And he said, He who has ears, let him hear. And then verse 11, He said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. For those outside, everything is in the parable, so that they may indeed see, but not perceive. They may indeed hear, 
do not understand, lest they turn and be forgiven. With many such things, verse 33, parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. Uh, the parable of Jesus is one of the most pop- popular teaching methods that we see in the gospel. I believe it covers one-third of his teaching. So what is a parable? Well, parables take different shapes. They take different lengths. They have narratives. They tell stories. And some don't tell narratives. They use common language of livelihood, language from nature. They take forms, even as you look outside the New Testament. So how can you define them? Well, one scholar writes, a parable is an expanded analogy used to convince and used to persuade. The truth in these parables is not only meant to be taught, for the sake of just listening, but also to convince and to persuade in a truth. This leads us to ask the question, what is this truth that Jesus is speaking about? The truth that Jesus speaks about is about the kingdom of God, about God and his kingdom and all his parables. Jesus calls us to receive this truth, to hear and respond to this truth. Um, Clyton Snodgrass, who is a New Testament scholar, writes, Parables seek to change behavior and create disciples. But they do so by telling about God and his kingdom, the new reality God seeks to establish here on earth. The parables have to do with the kingdom of God, his kingdom people. And so as we look at God's faithfulness to his people, we see that the kingdom people are marked by those who receive the word. Jesus in this passage seems to be very concerned with hearing, right? We caught that. He repeatedly brings up hearing. Jesus, in his teaching, says in verse 3, Listen. This is not a question. This is not a suggestion. It's imperative. He says, See, behold, hear, pay attention. He later quotes the prophet Isaiah in verse 13. They may indeed hear. In today's passage alone, I counted nine times the Greek word to hear shows up. And even more in the whole chapter. Jesus is concerned with hearing. He's speaking of this parable so you can hear. And this idea of, of hearing... It's more than just understanding what the person is saying. It's hearing and also taking action, obeying. And this, this word actually captures the Old Testament word Shema, which means to hear and obey. As much, much more than just hearing, but following and obeying. Kingdom people who are part of God's family of Christ are marked by that hearing. Hearing of the gospel of God. Kingdom people are marked by hearing and obeying. And Jesus puts this in contrast with three different soils. First is the seed that falls on the path. Those who don't believe at all. They have nothing to do with Christ and his word. They are quickly snatched up by the devil. Second, the rocky ground. Those who seem like they believe. They seem like they're even part of the church. But then trials come and sweep them away. Third soil is among thorns. They have fallen so in love with this world, the comfort, the riches, and they're slowly getting choked. Even, they might not even know about it until their death. Three ways to lead to death. Three ways for those not to hear. Jesus is speaking words of life and death. We must truly embrace the seed. You know, one of my best friends growing up in middle school, I thought I had the biggest faith. He was at every youth group event. He was at a Christian school. It seemed like he was a genuine Christian. Then high school hit. He was tempted. got into drugs. And he left the church. He completely abandoned his faith that I thought he had 
At one point, I was like, there's no way this guy would leave Jesus. God is the sovereign sower. And when he sows, nothing can stop that. But as R.C. Sproul says, no one is justified by a confession of faith. It's not the confession that saves you. It's God. The seed truly has to take root. And there needs to be fruit. Now you might be saying, you know, I fall into that. I fall into not believing. I get distracted with trials and hardships. You might be saying, you know, I fall for the love of money all the time. I know this is true in my life. Jesus is not saying be perfect. The scripture even gives us prayer for this tension. Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. He knows that he's doing something far greater. And if you received his word, you will bear fruit. Hearing involves receiving and following. Kingdom people are marked by that reception. Verse 10, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. It's something, it's a gift. It's been given to you. You know, this tension can actually be seen in the life of Peter. We see Peter, one of Jesus' disciples in the book of Matthew, confess that Jesus is the Christ. And not but the next section later, Jesus is saying, get behind me, Satan, right to Peter. Uh, Peter then denies Jesus three times. Three times denies him. But his story does not end there. In John 21, Jesus restores Peter. He says, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Feed my lambs. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Tend my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know everything about me. You know that I denied you three times. You know my failures. You know all of this. But you know that I love you. Feed my sheep. Jesus' people are not marked by perfection. At least on this side of heaven. They are marked by being hearers who receive and who bear fruit. Jesus shows forgiveness to Peter. He restores Peter. And from that is a call to be kingdom-centered, to feed the sheep, to bear the fruit. So listen, hear the word. Bear fruit because you have been forgiven, because he gives the love in which you can follow him. You can accept his word. It all flows from the giver. And if your life does not seem so, wrestle and listen to the God who's continuing to be faithful. Kingdom people are marked by hearing. They're also marked by repentance. God's faithfulness draws sinners into kingdom repentance. Would you look back with me at the text in verse 10 through 12? When he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked about the parables, and he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in parables. So that they may indeed see but not perceive, they may indeed hear but not understand lest they should turn and be forgiven. Jesus, in the midst of explaining what the parable is about, quotes Isaiah. Jesus, by doing this, is revealing the meaning of the parable. And what is so important to catch is the context in the book of Isaiah. Israel is rebellious. They're falling into idolatry and injustice, and they've completely turned away from God. They're worshiping other gods. They're worshiping other gods. To remind you, this is the same God who brought them out of slavery from the Egyptians, who brought them into the land through the conquest, who protected them against neighboring kingdoms 
battle after battle. And the God who's been so faithful generation after generation after generation, Israel chose to worship other gods. Here in chapter 6, God is already starting judgment through the nation of Assyria. God is already starting to judge them. Rightly so. And he, in verses 9 through 10 says, And he said, Go and say to the people, Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull, and their eyes heavy, and blind their eyes. But it doesn't end there. Lest they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. Unless they repent. Wow. God is so faithful to his people. He's willing to give them a chance to repent, even after idolatry. Even after they turn away and worship other gods. And Mark paraphrases this as lest they should turn and be forgiven. A major theme of the prophets in Jesus' ministry is a calling to repentance. Kingdom people are marked by repentance. From turning away from their sins and turning to God. And it's amazing to me God's graciousness in the midst of his own judgment. And parables can often serve as this kind of mirror for us in that. To shine light on our own lives. They're used to reveal our wickedness, too. We look into the mirror and place ourselves in the story and catch how we fall into these three soils. We fall, like the Israelites, into idolatry, injustice, and rebellion. And God invites us to turn away from sin and to him. Kingdom people are marked by repentance. In Romans 2, Paul writes, God's kindness is meant to lead us into repentance. God's kindness is meant to lead us into repentance. So when we are repenting, God is being kind to us. When we are repenting, God is being so kind to us. You know, one of my favorite shows is the show uh, House, which I was reminded that it's a pretty old show by now, Jason, but I still watch it. Um, And this show is about this brilliant doctor who solves these super unlikely cases. Um, and for, for y'all in the medical field, you know that most of it's exaggerated. And oftentimes you'll see uh, symptoms and expressions super exaggerated of diseases. And one of my favorite uh, patients is uh, this guy who has Giovanni's Mirror Syndrome. Mirror Syndrome. And there actually have been only two cases in reality. And it's because of severe brain damage. Uh, but the syndrome in the show has the pa- patient imitating the person that he's in the room with. Um, Dr. House has four different doctors that work under him. And one by one, they, they get an opportunity to be in the same room as the patient. One by one, they get to treat, test, and be imitated by the patient. The patient, one by one, mirrors the doctors. The patient brings out their selfishness in different ways. One example was a, a doctor who was prone to cheating on his wife throughout the show. The patient would mimic a desire to be unfaithful. The doctors hated it. Each doctor, one by one, denies it. Oh, he's just misinterpreting me. I don't do that. That's not me. The doctors played it off just as the patient misinterpreting, except one who wrestled, who accepted, and eventually turned away from his behavior. The parables are the same way. They're mirrors for us to see our own sin, our wickedness, our unfaithfulness. And if you're stuck so in love with your sin 
and so in love with this world, look in the mirror. Maybe the best thing in the world for you is to be caught in your sin, caught in your pride, caught in your lust, caught in your worldly comfort. Why? Because Jesus is talking about life and death. Because kingdom people are marked by repentance. And when you repent, the faithful God is being kind to you. God's faithfulness draws kingdom people into hearing and reception. And God's faithfulness draws sinners into kingdom repentance. And lastly, God's faithfulness draws sinners into, into the kingdom redeemer. Look back with me at verse 14. The sower sows the word. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. And when they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. And these are the ones on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure it for a while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arises on the account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word and it proves unfaithful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word, accept it, and bear it. Thirty-fold, sixty-fold, and a hundred-fold. Jesus presents them the way to life and a way to death. A way to harvest and a way to death. As we look at the ways in which death is presented, we see the enemy. We see the devil. We see the world. We see the flesh. We see Jesus discuss how the four options of the soil... Three to death, one to life. The devil devours in the first. The second shows signs of life but is swept away by tribulations. Third soil is choked by one's desires for the world, the riches. The devil, the world, and the flesh is seen throughout all three. Jesus is more than a great teacher. One who gives wisdom with these parables. Jesus is also the redeeming savior. The one who conquered all three of these enemies. The one who does so perfectly. And we're called into repentance because of the one who saved us. In the later part of Isaiah, we see the hope of a suffering servant. The one who has come to save his people from judgment. In verse 53, 5 through 6 says, But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Jesus is the great sower who invites us to himself and brings us into glory. David Winham writes, the parable is actually an invitation to see the kingdom in Jesus. He is the saving one. He is the suffering servant that we see in Isaiah. He takes on the cross for us by giving us breath He had to take his. He's not just a teacher. He is a savior. Some of you heard um, about the Tam Luang cave rescue in Thailand back in 2018. There was a a soccer team that was trapped in the cave for 17 days. The team was originally out there for a fun excursion, a team bonding exercises that went south really quickly. They went and explored these caves for a fun day. Their lives changed forever. As they went cave exploring, the weather behind the scenes played a huge role. The heavy monsoon actually began to block the entrance for them to leave. And they had to go deeper and deeper and deeper in the cave until they got to a higher elevation. 
the caves were dark, they began to realize that they were trapped. These boys were 12 to 17 years old. They were hopeless. They couldn't swim out of this alone. They needed help. And not only did they need help, they needed experts. Uh, the Thai Navy SEALs were involved, but the, even them, they needed help. They got two British divers to get involved, and they were expert divers who had been part of many recovery missions before. And these divers themselves were even pushed to the limits that they had. And eventually, they found the boys. Then came the hard part, getting them out. Uh, the normal options was waiting for the wet season to stop, but it was the beginning of the wet season. Uh, maybe to dig from the top, but it seemed too difficult. Uh, even teaching them how to swim. But they were already oxy oxygen deprived and they had to figure out another way. They had to be creative. Even the experts had to be creative in this situation. They called doctors and other divers until they, they, they came up with a plan, which was to sedate them and bring them one by one through the caves. And they did it. They saved the whole team. These top divers in the world risked their lives to navigate the dark passages and the strong currents. Despite these challenges, they were able to save 12 lives. But it had a cost. One of the divers, when he was giving oxygen, oxygen lost his life. The soccer team was trapped in the cave, and they didn't need a great teacher. They needed a savior, too. Jesus is the great teacher, but even more, he's our redeemer and he's our savior who conquered death, the flesh, and the world. And one day he's coming to restore us fully. The Bible says, not only were we trapped in the cave, we were dead in the cave. We were dead. And now we're alive because of Christ. And his kingdom is coming. And kingdom people are marked by the redeemer. Embrace Jesus Christ really offered to us in the gospel because he has saved us by risking his life and dying for us. God is faithful to his people. So embrace him. Embrace him. Only by God's grace are kingdom people able to put to death the sin in our lives, right? And chase the kingdom of God. God's faithfulness draws sinners into kingdom reception, kingdom repentance, and to the kingdom redeemer himself one who has given us life. So I'm about to start my fifth year working at Seven Rivers. And during this time, I've been to more funerals than I ever wished to have gone to. Um, friends who I loved. And even in my lifetime, I've lost a father. I've lost a brother. And at the funerals at Seven Rivers, I'll always remember the words of what Ray says, our pastor. He comes down to the casket, or a picture, if there's no casket, and he comes up to it, puts his hand on it, and says, good night. Says their name. But he doesn't stop there. He says, I'll see you in the morning. He has hope. Because Jesus has conquered death. He resurrected. Jesus here in Mark 4 is talking about life and death. And right now, conquering death, he reigns as king over us. Receive his word. He is the sower, not us. He is the giver, not us. He works faith in us. Because God is faithful to even sinners like us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your grace, your faithfulness. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for Jesus. Would you give us ears to hear? Would you work faith in us through your Holy Spirit? 
and would you be with us? Amen. Thank you for joining us on this podcast, a production of Seven Rivers Villages Church in Wildwood, Florida. Learn more at sevenriversvillages.org.